Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, happy to be your host here uh, for a wonderful hour of just kind of getting to know each other and our Catholic faith. That's all there really is to it. Today, as you can hear, my voice is a little bit hoarse, a little bit stretched. It's been uh, one of those seasons where we kind of get sick here and there and you catch something from the kids and you wonder, where did that come from? And God, well, actually, I know where it came from. I'm just wondering, when's it going to go away? Um, luckily, not COVID or anything like that. It's been tested uh, multiple times. But uh, today, the biggest thing I want to say is Merry Christmas. We can finally say it. We're going to be, we're done here with our Advent season. Christmas is upon us, and we are in our Christmas season. Um, and what does that really mean for us? Because as Catholics, we get a whole lot of holidays happening at the same time between Catholic and calendar holidays. Um but really more than anything else, it's Christmas, it's Christ in our hearts, and we have the calendar, the new calendar year upon us. Are we ready for that? Well, let's talk about it here on the show today. But here at the top of the noon hour, let's get started with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, when she conceived of the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God. Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks. Well, you know, does it feel like Christmas yet? Is Christ born in our hearts? Do we have Christ in the manger? I know here at the house we do. You know, it's always interesting as Catholics, how many different holidays get celebrated at the same time as the calendar holiday. Uh, we started off this year, December 1st was our first Sunday of Advent, and that's usually, that's Catholic New Year. You know, I've got a lot of friends from different cultures, and I know that uh, we always say happy, you know, some friends who are Chinese, and they have their Chinese New Year, or they're Vietnamese, and they have a Vietnamese New Year. And so they celebrate all these different New Year's. Well, as Catholics, Happy New Year every time it's Advent. That really is our new liturgical calendar year. That's when our our Catholic calendar starts. Um, and we move right into, you know, and it's a beautiful way for it to start because it's a preparation for the birth of Christ, the start of Christ, of God's time here on earth, of the incarnation, uh, once he was born. 
you know, some people, you can even argue March 25th could be our new year because that was actually uh, the Feast of the Annunciation. So that's when Christ was actually in our lady's womb. Uh, but Advent is our, our new year. That's just how it goes. And then we have Christmas and Christmas is wonderful. Great time. Now we can actually celebrate it. Now we can say, hey, let's have a feast. Uh, hopefully people have been fasting, praying, and uh, really trying to make that Advent count. Um, but now is the time to celebrate Christmas. At the same time, you know, this gets confusing for the kids. That's why I think about this. At the same time, what do we have coming up? We've got the new calendar year coming up. Time for, you know, we've done Christmas, we've opened gifts, we've spent time with our loved ones, hopefully, and more than anything else, I hope we all went to Mass, that we all went to the liturgy, that we received Christ, the reason for the season, the, um, you know, the reason for Christmas, Christ himself. Uh, and then after that, we got to explain, hey, it's the new year, the new calendar year. Uh, we're all going to sing, you know, for all anxiety and uh, all these great things that we do for the new year in the midst of our Christmas celebration. But really, what what does it boil down to now for us as Catholics? You know, it's the new year. Uh, we start thinking about what are we going to be doing? What? Uh, how did the last year go? We're always going to compare what happened last year, what happened this year. And of course, all the new year resolutions come out. You know, oh, I promise this year I'm going to change this. It's a usually change or improvement for the better. I'm going to stop doing something. I'm going to start doing something. Um, a lot of times in the new year, uh, people want to, the classic is everybody's going to get in great shape. You're going to see all the all the commercials for workout magazine or workout equipment and different things going on. That's the classic one. And as a doctor, I can tell you, that's the one you hear all the time. People want to um, get healthy, which is great. But I wonder how we're going to work out spiritually what is it that we're going to do spiritually what is it that we're going to um, change in our life for the new year what's our my new year spiritual resolution while i carry christmas in my heart that's really what it what i think as a catholic uh, or i should say when we see it from a catholic lens i think that's kind of a cool way to do it you know it's kind of like well we got the new year coming and the new year can be daunting for some people because a lot of people will look at what did I do last year and they'll have a lot of regrets and they'll say, gosh, I wish I didn't do this and I didn't do that. Or I started picking up this bad habit. And what happens is we can see a lot of negativity. It's easy to find negativity. It's easy to get frustrated um, for that new year. Uh, or when we start thinking about what did I do in the last year? As Catholics, we can easily fall into that trap as well, because if you think about it, the New Year resolutions, it's kind of an examination of, not examination of conscience, but it's examination of our life, of our, of our material conscience, if you will, what we did in our life. When we look at it from a spiritual perspective, from a Catholic perspective, it's like an examination of conscience. What did I do for myself within my faith? It can be daunting. It can be really daunting. Uh, some people are like, man, I really failed man, I really didn't do the right thing. Why didn't I even think about, um, you know, doing this? Or I promised I was going to make up with my brother, my uncle, my sister, my cousin, and that we were going to start getting along again. Um, I know that we've been arguing for 15 years, however long, take your pick. I mean, every, every family is going to have different situations. But um, a lot of times we do that and we think, I'm going to make amends. But we don't really come to that final fruition, to that final 
places saying, you know what, I'm going to do it because there's consequences to it. There's consequences to doing different things. We're afraid sometimes to change our life. And I say we because, hey, I'm right, right there with you. It's not easy to make a change. Um, it's scary. It's scary. I think the scariest part is when we want to make a change and we feel alone. But I think that this is the beauty about being Catholic is that we're never alone. We're never alone. My big change is I want to get to the to holy hour more. You know, I kept wanting to do that before. I know a few years back, I was really trying to do the holy hour and life happens, kids happen. You know, you can make whatever excuses you want and it's life. I mean, I, I say excuses, it, it is real life. Um, but the reality is, am I able to make a holy hour? Even if I'm not there in front of the tabernacle, am I able to just spend time with Jesus Christ in my heart and trust that he's going to fix everything in my life that, or that he's going to bring me, that I'm going to find peace more than anything else. You know, these are the important questions to ask ourselves. I think we're doing great as Catholics. I think that um, there's so much chaos out there that that's why I think we're doing great as Catholics. There's got to be something. There's got to be some kind of balance. It's it's a back and forth. You know, if you look at, um, we look at this past year from a Catholic lens, so much going on especially from a Catholic radio lens. You know, I love our show. I love I love doing uh, the Dr. Sandoval show. I know I, a lot of people reach out to me, uh, ask me questions, and and there's different things uh, that they that they kind of want answers for. And sometimes we can come up with answers, sometimes we can't. But I know that Catholic radio can be a, a tough gig. And uh, I always feel very blessed to be here, be able to share our faith, and try to keep it as least controversial as possible. But there's so much controversy going on. You know, for a lot of people, we start. What I started to notice in Catholic radio is, um, gosh, so much infighting, and I started seeing, you know, different opinions come across. And I was listening to one radio station at one point, uh, and I heard some really bad advice from the Catholic host. And as a psychiatrist, I could tell his ego was getting in the way of the truth of the church. Normally, the host is pretty good, and. They like to give good advice, but they got a call from an Eastern Catholic and who wanted to get advice on uh, his children receiving communion in the church. Because in the Eastern Church, the uh, our Eastern Catholic brothers and sisters they receive communion, confirmation, baptism all at the same time as an infant, as a baby. And a caller called in and said, "Hey, you know, I'm Byzantine and I went to the Roman to the Latin right." wanted to get the priest to give my kids communion and the host you know the, the radio host was uh say oh that's terrible if you're you should follow whatever rules are in the other church and it was actually the way he gave the advice was completely uh against the code of canon law against God. it was his opinion it was just his personal opinion but that made it interesting to listen to and, and that's something to pay attention to as well you know when we're talking about our catholic faith uh, am I just giving my opinion or am I actually trying to figure out the truths of the faith? At what point do I feel like I'm the authority? At the end of the day, folks, I'm I'm an authority in medicine and psychiatry because I've got a degree in that. Um, but nobody's an authority on the rules of the church uh, except for the magisterium of the church, you know. So keep that in mind whenever you're listening to things or be patient with us on, as radio hosts if uh, we ever say something that doesn't sit right or something along those lines that's important to consider uh the other big things that were happening so everybody last week last couple weeks i haven't addressed this yet on my show but uh, the, the, the last week was the whole question about the uh you know what?
All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. We're talking today about, hey, we've got Christmas here with us. We've got Christ in our hearts. How do we bring that into the new year? Uh, very important to consider. Right before the break, I was talking about Catholic Radio, and you guys are probably uh, are in a, I know our audience listens to different uh, radio shows, and just asking for your patience for um and for your interaction more than anything else, I always appreciate good dialogue. Uh, I like it when people email me and say, Dr. Sandoval, you said this and it was totally wrong. And I say, oh, that's pretty cool. Let me see what uh, what uh, I need to look at or what did I say? And gosh, I hope I didn't say anything wrong. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about um, about am I right, am I not right? It's all about Jesus Christ. And it's all about are we talking about or that which we talk about, whatever it is we're doing here on the show, is that bringing us closer to Christ or not? Um, that's the most important thing to consider uh, always. So that's pretty interesting. And then the other thing we were talking about right before the break was, you know, so much controversy this past year, uh, Catholic faith-wise, and especially towards the end of the year, you know, there's a lot of theories as to why the Vatican will, it seems to put out a lot of controversy out during Christmas, um, or it seems to be a habit that come Christmas time, all of a sudden we'll get these proclamations. And this year, no different, you know, so many people with the question of, you know, what's this going on with the Pope saying that we can bless uh, uh, gay unions and can we, can't we, what does that mean? And if you read the document, I understand that the document went through a lot of hoops to explain that this was not a marriage. Uh, but, you know, that's confusing because if you have to go through that many hoops to explain that you're not blessing the union and you're only blessing the persons and you use the word couple at the same time, and um, that can be pretty confusing because sometimes it just comes down to semantics and you got to ask yourself, what is it that we're doing? You know, what are we doing as Catholics? Everybody always deserves a, a, a blessing. It doesn't matter who we are. I mean, God wants to bless each and every one of us. There's There's no question about that. You know, are we living a life of sin as defined by the church or not? Are we blessing sin? Two years ago, we couldn't say that uh, to bless anything in terms of a gay uni uh, couple or union or anything because the, the Vatican had already said, you can't bless sin. Uh, with that one, this is where I thought, gosh, if you're feeling confused about the wording, about the language, it's easy to be confused because, you know, if you read the document clearly, yeah, at the end of the day, I see what they're trying to say. Um but they use the word, hey, we're going to bless a couple, but we're not going to bless a union. And I thought, well, let's look up the definition of couple. Let's see what it says, because it sure sounds kind of like the same thing. And that's what a lot of people were saying. So I thought, okay, well, let's see what it says here. So I actually just went to a general search on the dictionary, Oxford Language Dictionary Online. And the word couple can be a noun or a verb. So you can take it for what it is. Uh, one of them, the noun, the first definition is two individuals of the same sort considered together, a duo, a pair, a twosome, a match. So you can already put that together. There's no question about it. The next definition is two people who are married, engaged, or otherwise closely associated romantically, um, which that generally makes it uh, um, uh, a union. Technically speaking, there's no, there, it's pretty hard to separate that. And then the verb is either to combine, you know, so it's already letting you know something's combined, something's together. That's where the language is, is uh, confusing, you know, as far as the dignity of every person. The catechism, the Catholic Church has always said that everybody deserves uh, to be treated with dignity, regardless of your orientation, regardless of what's going on uh, in your life personally, because we are all still 
made in the image and likeness of Christ. Christ is living in us, whether we are, um, you know, in, or I should say we represent Christ. We're supposed to live in the image of Christ because that's how we were made. And so that's what the travesty of sin is, the travesty of deciding I'm going to choose uh, to do things my way and not Christ's way. Uh, that can be a little bit challenging too. But if anybody has any questions on that or wants further clarification, feel free to email me at drdr.sandovalbmpr at gmail.com and we can talk individually. Be happy to answer any questions. With that in mind, you know, so many different things. What are we going to do moving forward? There's not going to be a time where there's not controversy. Just by being on this earth, there's always going to be a challenge to our faith. Always going to be a little bit of controversy. Um, but with New Year's resolutions, what I see from a medical perspective, what it comes down to um, in the new year, my thought process is this. We're celebrating that something is ending and something new is starting, which is kind of cool. This is why we do the resolutions. We say, I have a new chance. I have a new chance at doing something differently with my life. I have a new chance at life. I have a new chance at perspectives, at you know whatever it is uh, that I'm going to do. So... One of the things to consider is from a Catholic perspective, what I see a lot is, you know, in the hospitals, uh, in the intensive care units, or even unexpectedly, there's lots of accidents all the time, uh, people on their deathbed. And that's really where I start thinking about my Catholic faith. And really, what does it all mean? Because we worry so much about the different things in this on this planet that end up taking care of themselves. And at the end of the day, I realize, you know, I believe it was Pope Benedict who said, you know, as he got older, he realized more and more that it was all, everything Christ had a hand in and nothing was really us. We go through the motions, but really at the end of the day, if we allow Christ to guide our lives, he will. Um, and that's the biggest thing to consider. I would say my new year resolution for this year is going to be, my personal new year resolution is to go through the catechism. That's it. That's I'm going to go through the catechism of the Catholic Church. Why? Because as I look at the catechism, I'm not going to hold it up. Anybody can get a, a good copy of the catechism. Um, really, if you look at it, this is where I say, okay, did I follow my faith the way I was supposed to? Not the way I thought I should. Not because it's my opinion that, you know, people should do things. And I'm going to stick to my opinion because, it were, were, you know, that's what brings in controversy. People are really good at that. It doesn't matter what... The Pope or the Vatican says, I'm going to do my opinion. No, I want to follow what Christ says. I need to follow Christ. And the best way to do that is obviously read the Bible. The problem with the Bible or reading the Bible sometimes is that if we read the Bible without really having an instruction, we can interpret it in so many different ways. So I got to go back to the interpretation of the church. One of the best ways to do that is say, well, if I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to have a companion. And I'm going to do it along with my catechism. I'm going to read them together. And that way I can hopefully understand a little bit more what is the church really saying? What does it really mean that? How do we want to interpret Christ's words in the Bible? The catechism is built really on four pillars, which is kind of cool. You know, four parts. Um, part one is called the profession of faith. It just goes through the creed and it breaks down the creed. Why? Because it's Catholics. Who are we? What does it mean to be Catholic? Well, we're going to break down the creed. Hopefully, we can incorporate this into the shows this year and just kind of go through a little bit um, as to what does this mean in our lives individually. Part two is the celebration of the Christian mystery, uh, which actually goes through all the sacraments, uh, which is really kind of cool. You know, I mean, you start going through and you start looking at 
what do the um the the sacraments really mean uh what why are there seven sacraments where do they come from where in the bible are they you know a lot of questions that sometimes uh, our friends will ask and sometimes we don't even have the straight answer to you know part uh part three is called life in christ and it's our calling and it's on a lot of moral theology and what it means and why we consider certain things right and wrong uh goes through the ten commandments it goes through a lot of beauty in our catholic faith have we really gone through it or not um that's a you know question of the day and then part four i think is probably the most important and most key they save the best for last but part four is christian prayer and the reason i think that's the most important is because all these other things we tend to try to understand the profession of faith um, you know, it's going to go through the Our Father, it's going to go through the sacraments, it's going to go through morality. And a lot of times we get challenged on that and we get told, oh, that, you know, that's man-made, this or that, or you guys are making it up. But at the end of the day, if I were on a deserted island and I had no Bible, no catechism, nothing else with me, hopefully I would have learned the faith. But even if I didn't have that, I have to pray. There's nothing else. I've got nothing else. I've got prayer. I, I can sit down and just talk to God directly. We forget that. And I think a lot of times we get so caught up in the intellectual component of our faith, of having to learn this. And what did this saint say? And what did that saint say? And all that stuff is good to have, but is it good in and of itself? I think even the saints will tell you, you know, there's no sense in reading about me or anything I said if it doesn't bring you to Christ. That's it. You know, why are you going to go read about my life? Or why don't you just orient your life to Christ? Well, because, you know, I saw that you did this and you did that. And I heard you perform this miracle. And the first thing a saint's going to tell you is I didn't do anything. All I did was sin and ask God for, for forgiveness. And all I did was tr start trusting in God as much as I could. And I probably wasn't even good at that. And I consider myself the biggest sinner on the planet because I know the truth. And yet I still, in my human frailty, sin and turn from God. And how, you know, how do you consider me a saint? But the reality is, what makes us a saint, what gets us to a saint is, how strong is our desire for God? That's what I want to think of this New Year's for our New Year resolution, for moving forward, for how do I learn my faith? How strong is my desire for God? How strong is my love for Jesus Christ? That's why I want to learn the catechism a little bit more or go through it a little bit more to kind of bring that back to, how is this going to help me be united to God? I truly believe, you know, a lot of people call me with, what feels like insurmountable um, challenges in their life, you know, uh, strong temptations to sin they can't get over. Uh, how do I fix this in my life, in my relationships? You know, um, I had a lady call me and say, I can't stop thinking about other men, even though I'm married and, and it's a strong drive for that. And I know what's right, but gosh, I, I, I just can't stop. Um, you know, the situation presented itself. I don't know what I would do. Um, I had young men call me about that. You know, gosh, I keep falling into sexual sin and pornography and masturbation and things like that. And um, I don't know how to stop that. So you counsel different people on different things. But I always think back to what Pope Benedict said. And I realize, well, I don't have the answers. I'm not Jesus Christ. But if I'm going to give advice in the back of my mind, I'm always praying and asking Jesus, what do you want them to hear right now? Use me as a vehicle because I'm not that smart. I don't know what to tell them. I don't have the power to fix their life or affect change in their heart, but you do. And if you can help me just say the right word, I'm just going to try to give them the advice best I can. Please inject your words in there because that's what's going to make a difference. 
that's what I'm hoping for, for, for us, for, you know, for our, our listening audience and for myself as well, that everything we do this year leads us closer to that union with Christ, to feeling closer to God. Why do I say this? Now, when I started talking about this, I started talking about how at the hospital, I see a lot of people on their deathbed, or you hear a lot of deathbed stories. And the reality is, sadly, they're filled with a lot of regrets. You know, they're filled with, they're filled with uh, um, a lot of people feel like, I wish I would have, I could have, I should have, I didn't. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. When I'm thinking this year, I'm like, I don't want to live a life of Catholic regrets. I want to make sure that I live my Catholic life to the fullest. But I can't do that on my own. The same way I ask Christ to give me, you know, inspiration and wisdom and the Holy Spirit to say, hey, let me, uh, you know, as I speak to somebody, as I give advice to somebody, let them be inspired by you. I don't know how to do this. Just use me as a vehicle, but I don't know how to do this. You know, I'm hoping that if we start praying and we start really focusing on the catechism, then I'll be able to know exactly how to guide my heart towards Christ, not have to worry about different things. That's where the knowledge comes from. It's interesting because it's doing Well, after the break, folks, we're going to talk more about how we're going to uh, focus on that in the coming All right, folks, well, welcome back to Britain Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about, hey, what are we doing in the new year? What are we doing for new year resolutions? And more than anything else, hey, no Catholic regrets. On people's deathbeds, usually what I see is, uh, you know, people start to, it's, kind of, it's an interesting scenario is what I'll say. It's an interesting scenario because it really depends on the individual uh, it depends on what their family was like. You get to start to see a lot of things about, uh, you gain insight, you know, for, uh, as to what the family dynamics are and what, what people were like, you know, at that moment. A lot of times you realize, gosh, the family was not close at all until it comes time for the will. You know, what's mine? Dad's dying, mom's dying, grandma's dying. Well, what do they leave me? And that's a lot of the big focus. A lot of arguments come out of that. Um, got to keep them alive because we didn't sign something, you know, and they start really worrying about the material goods, uh, of this world. And that's, it's a really a sad state. It's a challenging place to be. Um, you know, you see a lot of infighting, a lot of, at the moment where your loved one's passing away or they're unconscious, you know, not sometimes not a whole lot of prayers, not a whole lot of, uh, um, you know, making sure that grandma or grandpa get, a funeral mass or that they we have a novena said for them or that we take out the rosaries and pray for them no a lot of it is just arguing over you know who's going to get what and um you know who is most uh, uh who deserves the most that's pretty tough to see it's pretty tough to 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 think about because also i think gosh on my deathbed are people going to be arguing over that kind of stuff is that the legacy i would have left for them or are they going to understand that my death, please pray for me because I'm I'm about dying. I'll do the same for you, you know, and that's really what's important. Well, you know, I found this kind of neat article. Um, I think I'd seen it before. This is from a little while back. It's from 2016. Uh, but it's a question of 12 regrets people confess on their deathbed. I think it was a pretty cool little article. I'll put the link into the show here. But it's something to think about, especially for us here 
um, as Catholics, what is it that I want for the myself for the new year for being Catholic? And I say, my goal is no Catholic regrets. No sitting there and going, oh man, I should have, I wish I could have. But let's look through this list. It's just got 12 points. It says 12 things people regret. I'll see how accurate they are. I haven't, I have, I've skimmed through the article once. I didn't do an in-depth, uh, thorough, uh, think through, if you will. But uh, let's look at it and just kind of see from a psychiatric mental health perspective or medical perspective how well this lines up with a Catholic perspective. So the first regret, it says, for the times when I set a bad example and there were people who followed my lead. Wow, that's pretty powerful right there. You know, for the new year, what example am I setting? I think that that's a good, man, these are going to be probably pretty good resolutions. Set good examples in the new year. Be an example. Realize that people are going to see who you are and that I have to set a good example. That's pretty important. I think that'll go a long way in reducing my confession list uh, as I have to go to confession or when I go to confession. If I'm making an effort to set a good example and not trying to be a good at two-shoes or not trying to say, hey, look at me, but this is just for myself personally because what am I going to present to God on my deathbed, you know? What's good for my soul? How am I? What's my soul going to look like when I present myself before the judgment seat of God? Is it going to look good, or is it going to, you know, what's what do I have to show for it? If I set a bad example, you know, people followed my lead. But how many of us ever think about that? I'll tell you what: in the medical world, in the in the world of of therapy, nobody ever talks about setting a good example. Nobody ever says, gosh, you know, what, how are you living your life? You know that other people might look up to you. Do you know that you're an example? You know, when I remember thinking about this or last hearing about setting a good example, probably like in grade school, you know, when the teachers, when kids were goofing around and, um, you know, teachers would be like, hey, you got to set a good example. I don't think we hear that as adults, you know, because I think if we did, our business world would be totally different. If everybody thought, you know what, I want to set a good example here. I want to... Um, not because I want adulation or I want people to think that I'm awesome. I just want to say, hey, you know, this is just the right thing to do. And it doesn't matter what anybody says about it because this is for me. I'm, this is good for my soul. You know, it's kind of like saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go work out. I don't know if anybody's watching or not, but it's good for my body. I do this for me. That's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. I think that that's a great, uh, that, well, that, this is one of the regrets that people have, that they didn't set a good example, that they set a bad example. So this is even... The flip side, I set a bad example and realize that people will follow my lead. The flip side's true. If I set a good example, people will follow my lead. Something to think about. What kind of an example am I setting as a Catholic? All right. What about for my indifference in the face of someone's suffering? That's pretty powerful. Am I compassionate? You know, that's one of the things that um, is interesting, even in the world of deliverance, something that I've that I learned that I thought was really, really interesting is even in the midst of the worst of the deliverance sessions, the exorcist can never take pleasure in, in the fact that the mnemonic might be in pain or suffering or anything like that. They've chosen it, um, but you can't take pleasure in that. And you can't, uh, you can't really have an opinion on it. That's what they chose. But for us, you know, how many times do we treat each other as the demonic? How many times do we say, oh, that person deserves to go to hell or that person's this or, or somebody is suffering and we say, good, they deserved it. That happens a lot. I hear it all the time, especially when people are talking about political figures or things like that. Oh, I hope that their life is ruined. Um, 
you know, where is that? You take joy in somebody's suffering. Not even different. This is indifferent. This is the regret is I was indifferent in the face of somebody's suffering, meaning I didn't do something about it. But how many times do we take joy in somebody's suffering? That can be a little bit more tricky because now we're getting into that evil mindset. You know, that uh, the Germans call it schadenfreude. Uh, it's this idea that somebody's suffering and I'm actually taking joy in that. That can be pretty tough. I want to avoid that in the new year. So, so far, I want to set a good example. And if somebody is suffering as a Catholic, I am called to be compassionate. I'm called to not to tell them that, you know, they're okay in sin or that this or that. But I am called to say, hey, if you're suffering, I'm sorry to hear that. What can I do for you? How can I alleviate that within the Catholic uh, norms? That's a good question. Let's look at number three. Or failing to say so many words of praise, recognition, and encouragement to those who deserve them or needed them. You know, folks, this is pretty powerful. And this is extremely powerful, actually. We forget as human beings how we're built. You know, and we think, oh, that person's got their act together. Or we, we're always looking, hopefully, to be recognized ourselves or to be praised ourselves. But we forget that we can make a difference in somebody else's life and we can recognize somebody else and say, Hey, you did that really well. Or I really appreciate how you did this or that, or, you know, things of that nature, a word of encouragement. We forget how that can actually affect a person's life. Sometimes a kind word to a young kid can change their whole life. It can change the whole trajectory. It can change the whole perspective on what they're doing. You know, have we been that word of encouragement or are we so caught up in ourselves that we fail to even recognize other people and see um, what they're doing? I know I was watching uh, online, uh, pretty powerful. Or actually, let me back up before I even tell you that. I realized one of the things that, you know, different cults, different groups, uh, you can look at whether it be, you know, uh, people who worship the evil one or people who uh, just are involved in, in cults where they say, oh, people were brainwashed. What's one of the things that they do? One of the first things that they're going to do is they're going to bring people in and tell them that they recognize the gifts in them. Why? Because how many times as parents do we recognize the gifts in our kids or tell them that we recognize what's good about them or how smart they are, or how well they did something? If they don't get those words of encouragement from us as parents, they're going to find them somewhere else or they're going to be, well, one, they're going to be hungry for them, but somebody else is going to give them those words of encouragement and they're going to gravitate towards that. Like a starving, thirsty person in the desert who finally found some food. These are things to consider. That's a big regret for failing to praise people, recognizing other people, really being outside of myself, bringing people up. That's an important one to consider for the new year. How many times do I just recognize other people? So what I was going to say was I remember looking online and there was this uh, artist who, just a sketch artist who will sit down and sketch people and then give them the, show them what he sketched, really, really talented uh, young man. And he would give him the sketch and say, hey, here I drew. And what I noticed when the reaction, it, it was so cool. And, and the cool part is it's all about his talent, right? Like, wow, look at how I can reproduce who you are here. But the people were so grateful and they were so happy and some people would cry and some people, you get a reaction from people and do you know why that is? Because usually where he did this was a big city where everybody kind of ignores everybody. Everybody's, you know, you can be in the big city and isolated, ironically. You can be in a room full of people, on a train full of people, and totally alone. It's, it's really an interesting phenomenon of the human condition. But when he gives these um, artists, uh, these artist renditions, these sketch renditions of people to them, 
what I notice, and, and I don't know if people notice this, but the people are really happy. Not so much one because the the artistic quality and impression is amazing. I mean, great, great artist. I think the other thing is what's really happening there. It's a human connection where this person's actually being recognized. I got picked out of a crowd. I was recognized and important enough for somebody to want to draw me. That's where the recognition, I recognize you as a human being. When was the last time we recognized each other in the image and likeness of God? Meaning that I see somebody else and I'm in awe of every person I meet because I say there is Christ walking among me everywhere. That's really what it comes down to. That's where no Catholic regrets. If I could start recognizing Christ in everybody, there's going to be praise and recognition going around everywhere. Let's see the next one. So another regret for claiming credit for my triumphs, but blaming my failures on circumstances. So something good happens and yes, I did great. I am awesome. There was a failure. Oh, it's because I'm unlucky because this happened outside of me. No, it had nothing to do with me. Well, that's not the way it works. You know, we got to, we got to go. It's got to go both ways where we take credit for our triumphs and we take credit for our failures. However, I think in the midst of all this, though, in our triumphs, do we give Christ the credit? That's the question of the day. Do we give Christ the credit and realize it's not because of me at all? I, I mean, I'm just here. I, I show up. I didn't always exist. God gave me existence. Um, a lot of times we think we have a lot of power over what we do or what we're not going to do. But the reality is it's Christ living in us. It's Christ who is moving that dial. Let's look at the next one. For having failed to respect someone's innocence or having blocked someone's dreams. Hmm, interesting. Is that possible? Fail to respect someone's innocence. When we come back from the break, we're going to explore that just a little bit more. That's a little bit intense. Fail to respect someone's innocence. Hmm. More are we going to talk about. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Here on the last segment of today's show, I'm just going to round it out. These are some really, really, really good um, deathbed regrets, if you will. There's 21 of them. I don't know how many we'll get through. There's only six. I'll put the link to this article here at the bottom of the show. But uh, we're only on number uh, five here, excuse me, and there's 21 of them. But these are pretty interesting because, you know, as Catholics, these are good things to think about what is important and what isn't. You know, we spend our time ending up worried about this person said this or, you know, this Catholic person said that or the Pope said this coming out of the Vatican and it's really controversial. I don't know what to do with it. Um, and at the end of the day, do we take that step back and realize, what's that going to mean on my deathbed? When I'm dying, does it matter what the Pope said out of the Vatican, or did it matter that I actually followed what Jesus said? When I'm dying, did it really matter that, you know, I heard that story on the radio? How did that bring me closer to Christ and closer to the gates of heaven? That's really all it comes down to. We're going to hear, you got to remember, we're, we're human, you know, and as such, we're all going to make mistakes. Priests are going to make mistakes. The Vatican's going to make mistakes. Um, of course, except for matters of the magisterium and, and, and the deposit of the faith, but that's a separate story we could talk about where if it's coming from Christ, that's a different story. Um, but as human beings, we're all going to make mistakes. Am I going to let that bother me so much that on my deathbed, I'm going to be like, man, I wish I would have just kind of focused more on Christ. Like every time I heard something that threw me off in my internal Catholic heart and soul, 
Man, I wish I would have just stopped and just prayed a rosary and ignored the world and just been talking to God. You know, it's a little bit Martha and Mary, I think, uh, with this world and with controversy and the regrets. You know, if we look at the Martha and Mary gospel where Jesus is there and Mary's at his side and Martha's running around trying to prep everything and she says, hey, Jesus, Mary's not helping me. Tell her to help me. And he said, she's right here talking to me. That's what else do you need? You know, I see it as a controversy of the world happening versus the controversy is going to happen. Things are going to get done. But am I taking the time to speak to Christ in the middle of all this? That's really what it comes down to. That's what I'm never going to regret. Think about it. On our deathbed, how many people are going to say, I wish I wouldn't have done so many holy hours or I wish I wouldn't have gone to mass so many times. No, we're going to say it's quite the opposite. It's probably going to be like, I wish I would have been at mass every day. That's all that because I'm dying now and that's where I'm heading. I'm, I'm heading to meet Jesus and it's my final mass here, so to speak. And I really wish I would have just been praying the whole time I was alive. I wish I wouldn't have even paid attention to money or anything like that. But let's look at the last one we read before the break. Last One of the regrets was having failed to respect someone's innocence or having blocked someone's dreams. You know, in our current day and age, I read so many articles about shows and now even cartoons which are, are trying to sexualize our children, are trying to um, introduce topics that are very inappropriate to our children. Do we respect innocence in this world? Not anymore. Respect innocence. You know, I think that that's such a very cool um, thing to consider. You got to respect innocence. Why try to violate that? That's very demonic. You know, if you think about it that way, if there's a, if there's a trying to defile innocence, that's the whole point of uh, the demonic, trying to get rid of our intimacy with God, of that sense of lack of sin. You know, if you look at children, that's where I think God, Jesus is saying we got to be childlike when we come to heaven because children, they don't have the concept of sin. To them, it's all about being mom and dad and they want to play and have fun and be happy. Um, and that's really what heaven's supposed to be like, you know. If you look at little kids, they forgive each other so quickly. Gosh, kids in kindergarten and first grade, they fight and forgive right away. Then two seconds later, they're playing, you know, and they don't care. But uh, are we like that? Do we respect innocence? Do we allow innocence in our life? I think innocence is a word that we don't even use nowadays. Um, interesting to consider. That was a good one. The next one is I want uh, that the regret is that I wasted money on things I didn't need and never used. That's a big one. That's a question of prudence. Do I really need it or not? Do I am I why am I getting this? Am I why am I buying this? Is it something that I'm really going to use? Is it that important? Something to consider. Uh, for the time I took too much time and not enough effort to forgive. That's going to be a big one on the deathbed. Most of the times, the person who's passing away and dying, all they ever want to do is tell everybody how much they love them. At the end of the day, that's I, I realize this is where you know God is love. What's the last thing most people say when they're on their deathbed? They're about to die. They need to tell somebody to them, and they say, I didn't tell you I love you. I didn't tell them. I, or you know, somebody passes away, the parents who or family members who care, and they say, I wish I could have told them that I love them. You notice nobody says, I wish I could have paid back the money. I wish I would have gotten, you know, more out of them. I wish I would have. It always comes down to, I wish I would have spent more time with them. And I, I never got a chance to tell them I love them. I should have told them that I loved them. Something about love, folks. There's something about love that's, I can't say that's very Catholic, uh, because that would be 
how should I put it? Well, it is very Catholic, but it's very God. I mean, when we say God is love, when we're about to die, what matters at the end? What's the only thing that you can have left? You want to tell everybody you love them? Why love them? You know, why you notice nobody, well, you can't say that's true, but it's rare to say, see somebody on death, but say, make sure you go tell all these people that I hate them. I'm about to die here. I don't want to leave this world without making sure people know that I hate. Never usually comes out in that, in that last moment. It's all about love. It's all about how much do I love people? Did I get a chance to tell them I love them? God is love. You know, why, why wait until our deathbed to do that? I think, I think that's probably a good New Year's resolution too. How many times do I actually tell people, hey, I need you to know that I love you? You know, obviously in a, in a Christian way, um, well, my wife in a marital way, but um, my children, my friends, anybody, hey, I love you, you know, I just need, to, you need, need you to know that. When we think about death, love is really what matters. That's what kind of makes the world go around. What about here, number eight, for taking advantage of someone who loved me in order to get something for myself? Ooh, ouch. Somebody loves me and I use that against them. I manipulate them. Well, how many times do I do that to God? How many times do I do that to Christ? You know, I know that Christ loves me. I know that God loves me. I know that God made his promises. God, you promised. Well, yeah, but you've been sinning a whole lot, Dr. Sandoval. But you promised. And you love me, so you got to give me this. You got to give me that. A lot of times we do that. Am I able to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just say, God, give me what, what you think is necessary in my life. And I'm not going to try to take advantage of your love for me. You know, And that will that translate into my interactions with other people. That's a good one. These are some good resolutions. These are some good, well, these are some good potential resolutions. I think that resolutions come out of regret and, you know, or things that we wish would have been different. Um, and to read people's regrets on their deathbed or things that people say they would have regret on the, they would regret on their deathbed. And then it makes for a good way of like examining that Catholic resolution soul, you know, where's my soul going to be headed? Am I, am I making the right choices here? Okay. Let's look at the next one for the, for not being careful to guide those I should have educated better before it was too late. It kind of goes back to the example. Do I have a responsibility to educate somebody like my kids uh, before it's too late? Gosh, am I going to regret not having taught my kids better? I, it was my responsibility to tell them what was right and what was wrong. It was my responsibility to tell them what was sinful and what was not sinful. Did I do a good job of that? Only I'll be able to answer that. But, you know, before God, there's nothing I can hide. God's going to say, no, you didn't do a good job. And I'm, what am I going to tell him? No, you're wrong, God. <laughs> I don't think God's ever wrong. I wouldn't be able to tell him that. I'd have to just kind of own up and fess up to it and say, yeah, you know, gosh, I think uh, I think I should have done better. Well, no, no time like the present. What about, let's see here, for not visiting or sharing time with people, because I thought they weren't interesting, educated, or useful. Oh, you know what? I only want to hang out with a popular crowd. I don't want to talk with this person too much because they're a big nerd. And I really kind of don't like them. Hmm, how many times does that happen? Like, oh, am I talking to the right person at this party? No, I, I want to be seen talking to that other person. No, this person's more important. I want to make sure I talk to Father, to Monsignor over there. Because that'll be much better for my, my uh, social acumen, you know. How many times do we do that? I think it's human nature, you know. But that person over there, they seem like a big old nerd. They're not worth my time. Hmm. Did I recognize Christ in everybody? That's kind of what that comes down to. You know, did I recognize Christ in even the lowliest of people? I think that that's going to go a long way. 
you know what? I'm going to sit here with the biggest nerd in the party. I'm not going to be, people aren't going to see me rubbing elbows with the big people, uh, with the big wigs. And that's going to make all the difference. That's kind of cool. That's something to think about. Am I willing to humble myself like that? Or to actually, you know, it's it really, is it humbling myself? Or is it more recognizing Christ and others? Hmm, that's up to the jury to decide. But either way, recognizing that every person is important. That's a, that's a good one. All right, let's look at the next regret for fleeing the cross so many times. Now, that's a definite Catholic type regret. You're not going to hear that on the secular deathbed, I'll tell you that. For fleeing the cross, for running away from the suffering. Yeah, when we get to heaven, we're going to wish that we would have suffered a whole lot more, I bet you. You know, I don't think anybody's going to get into heaven without some level of uh, having been able to experience uh, a shared suffering and compassionate suffering with Christ because that's what perfects that's the perfection of our entry into heaven. Christ died on the cross for us. Are we willing to do our part for fleeing the cross? That's an interest I had never even thought about that one, or at least I hadn't, you know, hadn't been so at the forefront as it is that I'm reading it for fleeing the cross so many times. That one's something to think about. All right, let's look at the next one here. For saving adulation, savoring adulation, even while knowing it was false. Oh, how many times do we get people telling us how wonderful we are, how great we are, how great things are, how important we are, and we just love it. We eat it up, even though it's not even really true. Well, that's human nature for you. That's going to happen no matter where we go. It happens all the time, especially in the world of science. I'll tell you what, people who are doing research, people who want to uh, write a good paper, want to be recognized oh, all the time. All right, let's see here. For saving, no, the next one. For, for complaining much more often than I gave thanks. That's a good one. For stubborn, ver vulgar, or rude words that came out of my mouth. We are responsible for every word that comes out of our mouth before the uh, throne of God. God's going to say, why did you say that? You know, every word that we say, we're going to be held responsible for for participating in conversations making fun of God, the faith, or the church. How many times do we feel that we have that level of importance or that we have that authority or that knowledge that we can uh, make fun of God, the faith, or the church? You know, sometimes this comes down to even things like how many times do we watch movies that are using the Lord's name in vain all, all, all the time? You know, does that ever happen? see here what's the next one for wasting so much time on empty things that can't be gotten back these are really really good um i see them as resolutions you know i'm going to put the link to this on our video here we're coming up on the end of the show but the reality is for the new year it shouldn't be a scary time hopefully it's a time where we can say hey let's um let's make things a little bit better there's a chance here. There's a Christmas carol chance, you know, wake up Christmas day. I'm still alive. And I think that if we read something like this, we'll have a great chance at having a much better Catholic new year. And until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, keep it Catholic.